0: You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltron, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast, and I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, it's Chrissy from Buzzing with Miss B, and you are listening to episode 22, defining your coaching role for yourself. This episode will walk you through a process for thinking about how you want to show up as an instructional coach, what your goals will be, and what kinds of work you'll do in order to show up in that way. So let's talk about this idea of defining your role. Have you seen those memes um, where it's like, uh, what teachers think I do, what my principal says I do, what I actually do? They're hilarious, right? And they're, I mean, we've seen a million of them that are really funny. But your role of a coach is sort of like that. Everybody has a different idea about what you do. Teachers see you in one way. Admin sees you in a different way. And chances are you see yourself in a different way too. So then what do you do? What is your role? Why are you there? Why does your school allot a teacher's salary to someone who has no classroom full of kids? I'm sure you do a lot. But why do you do all the things that fill up your time? What is your purpose there? Your coaching role is the way you show up for your teachers, students, and administrators, and it includes what you do and why you do it. Your motivations are part of your role because that's gonna help you decide where you wanna spend your time. So what do you want to be as a coach? That's the big question that we really need to answer. I want you to finish this sentence. I want to be someone who, okay? Just take a minute and think about who do you wanna be by using the sentence, I want to be someone who, And here are a few examples from my own coaching work. I want to be someone who pushes teachers to use best practices. I want to be someone who helps teachers engage all students in quality learning experiences. I want to be someone who builds community through sharing leadership opportunities with teachers. It sounds simple, but those three ideas really help me define and identify what my steps for coaching were going to be? Where was I going to focus my energy if those were the three things that I really wanted to do? So here are a few examples of the kinds of work that I focused on based on those ideals of who I wanted to be as a coach. So in order to to push teachers to use best practices, I have to think about what kinds of support do I need to provide teachers in order to make that happen? And what kinds of learning opportunities do they need? So I might need to provide professional development on those best practices. I was a literacy coach. And so I focused on the Reader's Workshop and Writer's Workshop framework, and really understanding balanced literacy. So we spent a lot of our professional development time working through those kinds of ideas, through what those models look like, how to use them effectively, how to plan uh, specifically using the standards, how to use the standards and that method of instruction to provide best practices to students. That's really what we focused a lot of our professional development time. I also needed to facilitate planning PLCs to support teachers in actually implementing those practices. And Episode 7 is all about collaborative planning because I do think it's really important that we get good at that. That's something that a lot of coaches have to do, and very few of them have actually been taught how to do it. Um, but uh, that if you take those tips, that's a good starting point in Episode 7. So whenever we facilitate planning PLCs, we're saying, okay, we've introduced all these best practices during pre- professional development or another time frame that we dedicate to learning. And then in planning, we implement them. We make a plan to figure out what they're gonna look at the, like in the classroom and when we're going to use them. I also needed to model these practices in classrooms. Because teachers need to see things happen in real time with real kids. So we can talk about it all we want in the PLC room and we can do as much reading as we want about it uh, during professional development. But if I don't get in those classrooms and show teachers what things look like, then they don't have a vision for it. It's hard to see something that you've never experienced. And if you've never experienced best practices in action, then it may be really hard to envision that happening in your classroom with your own kids. And it's scary. So the modeling in classrooms is very important. Hey coaches, I'm just gonna pop in here really fast because I wanna share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, The Confident Literacy Coach is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right Now, so here's the deal. When I started out as a coach, I struggled. I had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration. And I honestly didn't even know that was something I was gonna have to do. I dreaded PLC days because getting my teachers to collaborate, to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare. And I was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that I actually avoided it for a long time. It was not a happy time for me. (laughs) But things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices in reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons basically i started coaching with confidence this work and i've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too the confident literacy coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school you'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator what best practices you should spend your time on and my process for collaborative planning plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident you can check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post, and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. In order to support teachers in implementing these best practices, I also need to co-teach them in classrooms because... Teachers may have seen you do it, but they need to gradually take on that responsibility of implementing those lessons themselves if they're actually going to use them in the classroom without your support. And the last thing that I need to do in order to push teachers to use best practices is use coaching cycles to help teachers learn how to evaluate their instruction and determine if the best practices are effective. So with a coaching cycle, I provide um, classroom observations and visits or, and classroom support. And then we have this debriefing conversation where we can actually, dig into that um, experience together and see if something is being effective or if we need to make adjustments. So in, in order to do this work of pushing teachers to use best practices, I have to do all these things. My role is, is to be a supporter of best practices. But all the tasks that I do to support that are the ones that I just mentioned. So it helps to define what kind of person, what kind of coach you want to be, the kinds of things that you want to do with your teachers and implement on your campus in order to figure out how you should be spending your time. Let's look at another example. In order to engage all students in quality learning experiences, I have to facilitate data PLCs to help teachers review data and figure out which practices are working for their kids. We have to use those data PLCs to look at student progress and identify the areas of need that students still need to grow in, and then plan appropriate lessons and response to that data, right? We need to re- arrive at a plan like we talked about in, in episode eight, because that is the way that we're going to impact teaching in the classroom is whenever they walk away with an actual plan that's going to support student learning. Another thing that I'm going to need to do is provide PD on differentiation so so teachers can actually reach all different types of learners. A lot of teachers struggle with the idea of differentiation in their classroom, and it's really hard for them to envision it. And so in order to support teachers in doing that, I have to provide PD so they can see what it would look like. And then we can also do some collaborative planning to make sure that teachers are prepared to implement those lessons in their classroom in a differentiated way. The last thing I need to do in this category to engage all learners in quality experiences is participate in the RTI process to make sure students are getting what they need. And this one might be a little controversial. Some coaches are very active in the RTI process on their campus, as I was, and some are not so much. Um, So it just kind of depends on your role on that campus and how your administrator sees where you fit into that puzzle. But if you are supporting teachers in figuring out how to differentiate their lessons, it makes sense to me that you would follow up with that in RTI and make sure that they're actually um, seeing the outcome on their kids and that kids are are showing growth with that kinds of work. So the last idea that I had shared when I said what I wanted to be as a coach and how I wanted to show up with teachers is that I wanted to build community through sharing leadership with teachers. I, my job as a coach is to support teachers in, in becoming leaders in their own classrooms, of course, but also on campus because teacher leaders are so valuable for other teachers and for themselves because that creates a kind of, of um, reflection on your own practice that you don't get any other way. So, in order to build community through sharing leadership with teachers, there are a few things that I needed to do as a coach to provide that support. I need to build capacity in teachers through professional development, PLC, and coaching cycles. Teachers who know a lot are prepared to share that better than teachers who don't know a lot, right? Teachers who have experience in best practices and who have been to lots of training and who have done a lot of independent learning and communicated with their coach a lot have had the experiences that they need that they can use and leverage to share their own thinking during these leadership opportunities that we want to provide to them. I also need to create opportunities for teachers to model for each other. It's an easy way to get started and teachers can do this within the comfort of their own classrooms. <laughs> so you provide coverage for one teacher to go visit another teacher's classroom and see what they're doing because everybody's doing something great. For the most part, you can find something that everybody else can observe. And so if we get teachers in each other's rooms, whether that's through Pineapple PD or a specific time frame that you, you arrange, that's a great way to build capacity in your teachers, and to show that you are creating a professional learning community. I also needed to invite teachers to share their thinking and ideas during PLCs. And we've all seen it. You have those individuals who are just kind of sitting there quietly. They keep their thoughts to themselves, whether they think that their thoughts are unwanted or they just kind of are those people who are like, I'll just wait it out and see how it goes and, you know, and, and I'll do whatever I have to do myself. So we don't want to create those environments where you have people who say, I just close the door and do what's best for my kids, because that actually can be really bad. (laughs) People who say that think that everybody who is doing it is just like them, that they're making good decisions for their kids and that they are um, doing things based on on real strong reasons and, and convictions. But that's not always the case. Sometimes people close their door and do what they think is best and what they think is best is not very good. It's just the truth. So whenever we create that kind of an environment, we are not creating an environment that's that's going to work for kids, and that's our job. So to invite we, to invite teachers to share their thinking and ideas during PLCs, one thing we can do is set up norms and kind of a system of this is the way that we will work together. Another thing that we can do is um, is you know use strategies to get teachers to respond. So that can look different ways. I wouldn't use talking chips during something like collaborative planning, but if you are looking at data, talking chips work really well. Everybody gets a little chip, and they contribute their ideas, and as they do, they put the chip in the middle of the table, and that way you make sure everybody has shared at least a couple of things about their thinking. Now, that is a pretty basic way of getting people to talk, right, but... Um, Sometimes that's where you have to start. So if I want to make sure that I'm going to be growing my teachers and creating an, an opportunity where they can demonstrate leadership, they need to start talking. They need to share their thinking during PLC. So that's one way to get started. Then as we get things rolling, I can hand off facilitation of PLC to the teachers who are ready to do that. So there are different ways that that can look. Sometimes I've had teachers model for each other during PLC or do kind of a little mini lesson on something that they do really well in the classroom. Um, One time we did a mentor sentences model because we had um, mentor sentences were were kind of a new was a new approach that we were taking to grammar. It's an excellent approach. It's authentic and I I really recommend it. And so uh, teachers who were using that in their classrooms were seeing great results. Teachers who were not using it were afraid to start and they couldn't figure out how to make it work. So we had one of the teachers model that during a PLC and everybody else got to ask them questions and ask them how it went. And they really had a good experience and I saw a turnaround in classrooms because they actually saw their colleague do this work. And it was a great leadership opportunity for that colleague another kind of um task that i'm going to need to do in order to build community through sharing leadership with teachers is to create teacher-led pd opportunities And that can look like a few different things, and I can share a few examples with you. One thing that we did is sometimes whenever you have a professional development, it's kind of a long day, right? You can feature something that a teacher is doing in the classroom and have them get up and lead that short session. So it's only maybe 20 minutes, right? They're going to lead the school or the grade level in whatever it is that they're teaching them about, and it's something they have a strength in already. You can sit with them and prepare to make sure that they're ready to go and they don't need any more assistance. You can make sure they have whatever materials they need need. Um, but the idea is that they're sharing their expertise with other teachers. And that's, a, that's an amazing thing to be able to do. During professional development, people love hearing from their colleagues. Another way that you can do this is you can create a teacher-led conference. And that's something that we did um, one year that I just loved. I met with individual teachers and said, you know what, you really have a strength in this area and your colleagues would love to hear from you about this and we planned out an agenda for the day that included a conference-style professional development opportunity. So teachers were able to choose from two to three, actually three to four different teacher-led sessions during each time frame. So I met with about 12 teachers, and we talked to them about Being prepared for that day, making sure they had an objective for the learning or a learning target, having some sort of handout and a presentation, um, something people could walk away with and apply. And then we talked about the content that they were going to include in their session. And this was an amazing opportunity for those teachers who had maybe not led PD before to lead a small group of teachers in something that they're really good at that they're already doing in the classroom. On the day of the conference, teachers had their little slips that showed which sessions they, they had signed up for, where they were going throughout the day. And then they just rotated through the conference sessions and the teachers who were presenting could participate in other sessions during the time frames they were not presenting. It was an amazing event. I really loved it. Um, and I recommend that you try it out if you haven't done it already, because there are teachers on your campus who have something to share. And a teacher conference is a great way to showcase that, to have teachers learn from each other, and to build capacity and leadership in those teachers who are already doing great things. So according to these statements that I made, whenever I finished the statement of I want to be someone who or I want to be a coach who, I came up with a lot of things that I need to do, right? I have ideas of how I need to spend my time. So from those statements, I can pull specific things that I would like to do and use them to build a coaching menu. And a coaching menu, it determ- it, it dictates where you spend your time, but it also is a tool that you can use with teachers to share with them the way that you plan to support them in the classroom. And it's really easy to to use because it's written down, it's in black and white, it's not confusing. So based on the ideas that I've shared so far in this episode, on my coaching menu, according to these statements, I would have modeling, co-teaching, planning collaboratively, Digging through data together and facilitating colleague to colleague observations. Those would be some options that I would have. I would also have opportunities to debrief because obviously part of the coaching cycle is debriefing, right? Um, And then opportunities to look at individual students because sometimes people need somebody to come in and observe a student and tell them what's going on. They need another perspective. And so I could include that on my coaching menu as well. So finishing that statement four to five times can help you create a coaching role that you feel really confident in. So I want you just to ask yourself, who do I want to be as a coach? I want to be someone who, and then finish that statement. The answer to that statement is going to guide your coaching work. And so you may focus more on teachers. You may focus more on student learning. You might be more of a data person and you want to make sure that you're using data to support decisions. It could be that you are trying to create school-wide events to engage readers or mathematicians in exciting things or parents. Perhaps your focus is, is including the community in your school. But either way, Finishing that statement will give you some ideas of how you should be spending your time as a coach. And so if you're kind of swimming through your coaching work and you don't feel like you have a real direction, I really recommend doing that. Something that might get you started is you can take a look at the um, free download that I have on my blog today for you. It is at buzzingwithmissb.com and the it's the show notes for episode 22. The free download is a coaching menu. So you can download this menu and kind of see all the different sorts of coaching roles that you can provide, and then you can use it as a starting point to create your own menu if you want to build one that has exactly the um, statements that you have completed on this um, during this activity, or you can use it as is and just kind of start with that, and you can always make adjustments over time if you find out that you wanna make some changes to that menu, okay? So, um, the main takeaway that I have for you today, and I hope you really walk away with this, is if you can't define your role, no one else can either. So, you want to make it really clear to yourself so you can create purpose in your work, okay? Um, Nobody else really knows what a coach does (laughs) and if it hasn't been explained to them, if it hasn't been taught to them, then they think that you're there to be an admin, most likely. And that's a real problem because that's going to interfere with your ability to do the work, right? So, You can't define your role for anybody else until you know what it really is, until you know why you are there on that campus doing that work every single day. You want to have a purpose for everything you do. And sometimes responsibilities are handed down and, you know, we don't have a lot of control there. But when it comes to your discretionary time, you want to know why you're accomplishing those tasks and why you're blocking off so much time to do certain things over and over again. So make sure that you have a good, clear definition of your coaching role so that you can do your coaching work effectively and so that you know why you're doing what you're doing. Okay. So my next step for you is to finish that statement four to five times and write it all down. Because you want to hold on to those ideas that you're coming up with. So finish the, I want to be a coach who statement four to five times and write those statements down. Then brainstorm the actual actions you can take in order to accomplish those basically goals that you're setting for yourself, right? Um, So that way you have a direction and you know what your coaching role is because if you don't do this, you won't be prepared for the next episode. So I really want you to make sure you've done this before you listen to, to episode 21 or sorry, 23. Episode 23 is about ways to share your role with teachers. So do this this week to make sure that you're prepared for next week's episode. Okay. And um, until then, I'm Chrissy with Buzzing with Miss B and happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at BuzzingWithMissBee.com and on Instagram at BuzzingWithMissBee. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.